This is the official tapes. It's a Grateful Dead radio program where we get into the official releases from the Grateful Dead. And every so often, we have an opportunity to talk with somebody who has a project that they've been working on. My name is Rita Gentry. I've been in the music entertainment industry for almost 50 years. So my roots go back to, you know, kind of the beginning of rock and roll. I'm like a dinosaur here. The title of my book is Before I Forget. Rita's going to talk about her book, the stories in the book, stories about Bill Graham, and stories about the music industry. Let's get into it. And I have to say how it came about was there's a promoter in the Bay Area called Lionel B, um, Bay Area Productions. And... Bill really took him under his wing when he's very young to teach him the whole promoter skills. He brought some of the first hip-hop shows to the Bay Area. And we would talk, you know, on the phone at least once a month. And we tell stories. And that's when he said, Rita, you have to write a book. I mean, it's like, but I didn't want to write a book about me per se. I didn't really want to talk about people's dirty laundry or anything. Not my style. And that's when I came up with the idea, well, I'll just collect stories. I started writing his stories and I started collecting stories. It went to a whole nother level. It was almost like a drug of choice. You know, it's like I had to get more stories, more stories. And then people would say, oh, well, I'm going to be in the book, you know. But a lot of times, too, the people, I had to really transcribe and really help them because of, uh, some people just didn't have the writing skills to put down their thoughts on paper. It took me five years to do this one, almost six. And the pandemic really helped me of really hunkering down and transcribing and contacting people. I've always stayed in contact with many people due to the fact that I was with at Bill Graham Presents for 20 years. And then after Bill, I was with Carlos Santana for many, many more years until I retired. So I've always been in the realm of many, many people. And I'm sort of a, I think I'm sort of a people person. And, you know, it was very easy for me. I have a very large Rolodex, honey. And uh, so I could just, you know, pick up the phone and people will usually take my calls. But the great part was, to me, it's not only the stars that are in my book, you know, from the Yormas to the Carloses, whatever, but the people on the streets that, you know, a person that just went to a show and was, and had like a two minute, you know, dealing with Bill and it was very special to them. It's really a labor of love. I think it's about 250 stories. Reading these stories in the book, you just get an insight of him. The book previous to mine many years ago that came out right after Bill died was the book Bill Graham Presents. And that really gives the history of Bill, of, you know, escaping Nazi Germany, et cetera, et cetera. Mine is more of the people and the people that worked at Bill Graham Presents. And the great thing about my book is you don't have to read it from cover to cover. You know, you get the book. It's all these little stories. You can like read a couple, put it down. Two weeks can go by. You go to the bathroom and read it, you know, whatever. It's not your usual typical book. And it morphed into this thing 
I really wanted to let people know that, you know, Bill being a real great human being, since it's a compilation of stories from people of all walks of life regarding Mr. Bill Graham and Bill Graham Presents, they sort of get a feeling or flavor of the times of when we were in full tilt boogie of uh, getting that music out there to the people and just personal concepts. And, and for his sons who lost their father at a very young age to really get a gist of how people love their father. They are very appreciative and they are very happy that I did this. They're getting a whole nother insight of their father. When you went to a Bill Graham show, whether it was the Fillmore, Fillmore West, wherever it may be, you could go in there, you could you know, smoke pot, you could do anything, and you weren't going to be arrested, okay? Because there was a safety. You also had, he brought about Rock Med from the Haight-Ashbury Free Clinic. So if you had any kind of problems, you were sick, you know, you were freaking out, whatever it may be, you had kindness and care, and you weren't going to be turned over to the police once again. And then you had, um, he started the male and female blue coat security, which were just college kids, people looking for work, whatever. And they had a little training and he had rules and regulations to abide by because we didn't want cops with guns in our shows. He's one of, I can't even think of who else has done this, but he did so many benefits. I mean, whatever it was, whether it was for the San Francisco school district, whether it was for the earthquake, whether it was for, you know, it the list goes on. He, you know, he had Nelson Mandela at the Oakland Coliseum. Hello. I mean, how does that happen anyplace else? It doesn't. He just started so many things. I mean, if you think about it, when I go to a show now and I see them selling a sweatshirt for $125 or $145, it freaks me out because I think, you know, Bill really started the whole swag thing. And you also start a company called Winterland Productions. Whereas it started first, like at the office, you know, with the silk screen and a t-shirt and paint, you know, making little t-shirts. And then it, that morphed into a whole business. And that's one of the biggest businesses happening now in the music industry for an artist is their swag. So that's when I say that the guy was my guru, my prophet, my everything. And there's not a day goes by that I really don't think about him because in so many aspects, he affected my life 100%. I first heard of Bill as a patron of going to the original Fillmore and the Fillmore West. I was just a hippie girl on the street, you know, going to see these shows and didn't really know about him. Beginning of 1979, a job interviewing for a job there. And I really wanted to work for the organization. 
I work for all kinds of bands and stuff, and and I want us to be still be in the music industry. By the light of the gods, I got a job there, and then when I started working for this man, who was larger than life, it was the college of to me music, because he also, I just think so much that I got to be at the right place at the right time when he was really emerging into a superstar and he just did it the right way. Bill was very charismatic and I always felt he was not of this earth, that he was a being that was, you know, larger than life and was a genius. I did want to get out there to the world of his kindness and that he wasn't a bad guy because you got to remember when he started off doing this stuff with the mime troupe and the Jefferson back in those days they considered him a capitalist pig because he wasn't doing the hippy dippy thing that we were all doing but in the end you know look what happened he built an empire my first job was I was the assistant to Danny Shear, who was vice president of the company. He booked most all the shows for Bill Graham Presents. My expertise was contracts. So I would deal with all the contracts of the shows that would come through Bill Graham Presents. And then after I was with him for years, I ended up being um, Bill's secretary. And he had a personal assistant named Jan Simmons. And her and I worked in an office right next to Bill's. It had a sliding glass window. So, you know, we closed it, be private, open when he wanted a cup of coffee or whatever. And that was quite an experience because Bill could be yelling at someone at the top of his lungs, slam the phone down, and then slide past the glass and say, Vita, could you please give me a cup of coffee? And meanwhile, you know, I'd be like dying, you know, I'd be like, oh my God, this is like so torturous because I don't come from a screaming, yelling family but he was a great actor. Most people were afraid of him. And I think that was a good tactic in a way because then you got things done. He also had a way of knowing if you came into work, if, if you didn't carry your load, you're out of there. You know, it, it just wasn't happening. It took a certain kind of person to work within that environment. You know, our offices look like the hand-me-down offices. Every desk was different. They were from, you know, garage sales or whatever. There was never an average day because every day there was something new. I mean, they were constantly, as he grew too and the company grew, we were doing these mega things, whether it was the Rolling Stones tour. It was like a theater in progress. It was like every show, it may be the same actual show, but it's different every time. And that's how that was. You know, because he also was so wonderful to his employees and really wonderful to the women of his company because he knew how hard they worked. He knew, you know, a lot of us had husbands, children, whatever, but it seemed like Bill Crampersons always came first and everything else was sort of decided. I mean, hopefully you had a good mate that could take care of the home thing. And I mean, my job was, you know, I worked in the office, 
10 to 6, whatever, but then I have to go work a show. So then that was like 6 to 1 o'clock in the morning. Drive home, get up, get the kids ready, and then start all over again. So I think, you know, I'm really thankful that my, my, my kids turned out okay. Thank God. What I have noticed from my book, too, there's many people in my book that are no longer with us. And also you will notice at the back of my book, for some reason, I always kept names of the people that I worked with that passed away. I know that's kind of weird, but I just wanted to remember those people. And so you see, notice the long list at the back of the book. Every single one of those people were involved with Bill Graham or Bill Graham Presents. And it's just really an ode to them, you know. Um, many of their wives have said, oh my God, you remember my husband? That was wonderful. So to this day, all of us that are still alive are still, you know, like the best of friends. I'm on the Bill Graham Foundation. I have been on the board for many years. And every year we do a Bill's birthday bash around his birthday, January 8th. So the couple of years previously, we couldn't do it because of COVID. And we just did one in January in the midst of the storm and everything at the Fillmore. So many people still came out and they were all intertwined. You know, it was hundreds and hundreds of people of Bill Graham Presents. So there's still that gathering of the tribe per se of us. And we're, we'll go till we drop, I guess. And what's amazing that now that the books came out and it's kind of popular, I'm getting all these emails from people saying, okay, are you doing a second book? I hear we have, I have a story for you. It's like, oh my God. It's on Amazon. If you look at my book, because I'm old, you can read it if you're an old person because the, the type is big enough that it's like, okay, this is good. I didn't want the little teeny tiny thing, you know? If you go to Amazon.com, um, make sure you put in my name because I realized there's a couple other books called Before I Forget were a complete opposite of my kind of book. And when I mailed off my copy to the Library of Congress, I was going, oh, yes, I did it. Okay, Bill, you're there. You got a couple other books in there. Now you got mine in there, too. I didn't expect it to be so well received. And the adoration that I'm receiving from people is, I couldn't ask for more. <laughs>